Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast with the Early Years Network, the podcast where we talk all things early years from inside and outside the wonderful industry. Today I am finally joined with Hayley Winter, who you may know from Instagram as All About Early Years. She shares her journey as an early years lead, early years teacher, and she's done so many different roles in early years. So today in this episode, we are going to be talking about the big O. We're going to talk about Ofsted and explore what Ofsted looks like in all these different settings that Hayley has been part of. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You're all welcome, finally. I know I'm getting there. I've probably had so many dates in the diary, but we're in the, just, oh, the worlds have not lined up, but finally I've got you here. So to start us off, can you tell everyone your journey through early years? Because when we talked before, you've had so many different roles and you've been in so many different settings. So what has it looked like for you? Definitely. So first of all, it started with all the way back when I didn't know what I wanted to do at school. So I wasn't sure. I was personally a rainbow, a brownie and a guide. And then I was a leader and a leader. And it was only when I went to leave school and then somebody actually said, well, what about childcare? Because you like volunteering at rainbows. I thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. So I went to do a temp nursery nurse job and loved it. And that's where it all began. So I've done nursery nurse. Um, I've been a room leader in the nursery room as well. I've done everything from babies to toddlers to preschool. And um, finally decided that I wanted to start teaching and started with my um, degree in the University of Northamptonshire and did that alongside being a nursery nurse full time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was not good, but it was worthwhile. And now I finally um, was a one twenty eight. Um, with a um, little boy that had autism and then while doing my degree as well and then moved up to the school that I'm currently in while doing my third year of my degree um, as a nursing nurse and TA before then qualifying as a teacher um, in the current school that I'm at and then becoming early years leader just three weeks before COVID took school all through COVID her nursery and foundation and yeah currently a early years leader and teacher of the three formatory school and nursery um, which is a third-to-night place nursery. Amazing. Keeps you busy there. All of those <laughs> I think it's, it's fair to say that you've seen early years from every single position. So when we think about Ofsted and in all of those positions, how many Ofsted inspections have you been a part of? Um, so I was a part of one um, as a nursery. I've been part of one when I was a 128. And I've been part of one um, as a teacher. We are also due one as well as Verdi's leader. So fingers crossed. Um, so I've been part of three. Um, and those have all been in different roles. And then I've been part of this one will then be another role. It's quite interesting, isn't it? How it's the same, not the same inspection, but it's the same thing. But how you can be part of it in so many different like elements of the levels within a setting. Yeah, definitely. Because when I was the 128, I really didn't have much to do with it at all. They came to, literally, it was a class-based thing. Um, they wasn't, my child wasn't um, invested in what they were doing, engaged in what they were doing at the time. So I too often did our own activities um, that was already like ready for him and things. And I really didn't have much engagement with, with that time. It's, um, it is interesting, isn't it? Because obviously it's built up as such a big thing, whereas you as that TA, was such probably the pressure and then all of a sudden it was, well we're not actually involved in this so we'll just we can step away yeah and it's changed over time as well being um when i was involved in the nursery nurse one as well 
they wanted to see planning and everything else like that at that time. And it was a big like, well, we've got that phone call and right, where's your planning folders? Let's another what's going on and what are we going to do that day? And, you know, it was always a bit more, you felt pressure, I would say, higher up um, during that time. And when the book that's, things have changed or things have changed in Ofsted or my perspective have changed or confidence or anything as well. But now I'm like, I'm ready. Come on, come out of me. Like, I always started the video. No, we say what we could do. No, I completely agree with that because I think when I was an apprentice, the thought of offset absolutely petrified me because I was like, they're going to talk to you. They're going to talk to you because you're new and they need to know you know everything and your induction's been good. And it was, it's a lot of pressure put on. But now being involved in more of a leadership role, I'm like, no, come on then. We'll talk about it. But then I'm on the flip side of I shouldn't have to have someone come in and justify everything that we're doing as a team. So I kind of sit on the fence like, no, I'm really excited about this day because I know we do a fantastic job and let's show everyone. But then I'm like, no, I don't have to justify it to anybody. So it's kind of a Yeah, definitely. I, we always say um, in our school, like, it's just a normal day. We're not going to change anything. So I do. Yeah. I'm going to be a bit more sparkly and show people what we do. Yeah. So we're changing nothing. It's just that little lecture saying of, is that person's there observing you or coming in the room or anything, greet them, you know, give them a smile. Those really small things um, can make a big difference as well. I agree. I always say to people, talk at them. Yeah. Just talk at them and then they will be like, okay, you're done. Okay. <laughs> Don't need to talk to you anymore. And they haven't got much time as well. So depending on their um, timeline and things of that time, timetable that they've got, they really haven't got much time to spend. So make sure what you're telling them is quality stuff that you're telling them. You, you know, you're not just... just Blabbing on as no. I can do quite well, I'm doing a bit do. Um, but you're telling them the quality stuff and you're telling them, you know, what's going on or anything. Show them, be prepared of what you want to show them when they're coming into your classroom, what key things they're going to be looking at as well. There's a handbook for a reason. Have a look through it, um, know what they're going to be asking. Do you think it's important for everyone to have had a look through the handbook? Yeah, I do think it is all. I think it's important everyone has a look through a handbook or has some sort of training with Ofsted or something else like that as well. So even if you are like a member of SLT, that can then give, you know, what are the key points of it? Because even a big document like the handbook can be really daunting to people, yeah. uh, people that don't understand the information or anything, where actually it can be condensed down into really bite-sized chunks of this is what they're looking for. And just those quick reminders or quick looking over it, you know, a term or a year or anything else like that. And um, it should just become natural practice then. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's figuring out what's key for the individual that you're trying to get that information across to because your nursery managers probably need to have more of an overview of it, but the practitioners might just need to understand what it is they're looking for in terms of the knowledge of the children or how you um, do your observations, things like that and tracking development, whereas the managers are looking at the leadership side and how you progress up through, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also then um, with schools and nurseries or anything, how that next step and how that skills they're going to be progressed or where they've come from. Yeah. Is it available, you know, for all the children or if not, why not? And all of those things. And that I reckon you do that with my team, you know, once a week or, you know, every other week or something. And I just pop down um, during my leadership time and I just ask them a few questions or pick an activity and tell me about it. What key vocabulary might they come up with? And that way it's just becoming that natural, um, yeah. natural progression and natural, you know, chat that we have within our every day to then know that that's still going to be the same language that they're going to be using when they do come in. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's practicing the norm, isn't it? Because even though people know what they're doing all the time, then probably don't talk about it enough. Whereas like you say, you going down and asking the question, they can, 
Oh, yeah, I do know. I do know what I was talking about. This isn't a scary question because Hayley asks me this every week. But it's just giving them that confidence. Yeah. It's like everything. Like, you don't know unless you give it a go or you're saying, no, like, they do actually know what you're doing. Yeah, but it's right. Or giving them then those small pointers or anything. That's only going to, in the long run, benefit the children and then benefit, you know, where you do get your um, grading and everything. So that'll be opposite. <laughs> the journey to work. So with your sort of the different roles, what would you say are some of the major differences in a nursery setting and now being in a school? What are the differences you've noticed? Um, so definitely, like I say, whether or not it's been a progression of Ofsted, a progression of the time or my confidence or anything else like that, it's definitely been, I've had more of a um, more of an impact and more of a time with Ofsted for the more roles that I've then had going into teaching. Um, I wouldn't have had, I didn't have much to do with them, like I said, on the um, one-to-one role that I had when I was a nursery nurse. They came um, into us and they literally just poked their head at the door. They didn't even spend 10 minutes and that was it. And I was in the preschool room and that was sort of about it. Um, I did know some of the rooms they spent longer in, but they really didn't want to spend much time there. Well, we was in, yeah, it, and just to make that a snap judgment as well, uh, what it's going to be and everything. Um, whereas when they came into school, they spent, I was in nursery um, as well, so... They came in, they spent, um, it was our morning routine, so they greeted all the parents, they sent the children in, they watched a little bit of a carpet circle time that we did, and then a bit of provision as well. So it was nearly about 45 minute session that I spent with us, um, which is obviously a massive difference of, of timing. Um, and even now, I'm like, like I said, come on, come on in, because I could spend hours talking about early years, and, uh, come and see what we're doing here, this is what we've done, this is why we've done it. And that's the important thing, it's not just the this is what we're doing. It's the why we're doing it like this. Yeah. Uh, that's really key for Ofsted. Sometimes when I think about, like you said, the why, it's not always a justification of why, but it's, this is this is what works for us. Yeah. And it might, there's always a reason or or like you said, when you've greeted children in, this child's a little bit extra upset today because her mother usually drops off as that to go to work early and explaining those reasons because if an Ofsted inspector walks in and the child is screaming, it's explaining that you understand the behaviour, you understand why it's happening, and this is what we're going to do to work through it. I guess it's not, like I said, like justifying yourself, but saying that, no, we really do understand these children and we really can work through the emotions from the morning because I guess a morning would be very different from an afternoon yeah. in your environment. Yeah, definitely. It's just showing that you understand the children yeah. and then showing, like, like we say, like your why. It's not justification as to... This is what works for our nursery or our school or children. Our children, it's not going to work for if you pick it up and put it in a different demographic or anything else like that. This is just what's, what works for our families. Yeah. I think that's really important, isn't it? Because sometimes we see things online and we think, oh, that's amazing. We'll do that. But actually, have we thought about the that impact on our children and our cohort? Because it might not be of any interest to them or it might not be of any relevance to them. So why would we make whole shifts when actually what we're doing works and it works well. Yeah, definitely. I think you see that a lot um, on social media and different things like that where you think, oh, that looks amazing a week. Uh, the whole thing of, you know, making this natural classroom and everything and it's going to make such a difference and throw away all the plastic toys or anything. But what are your children used to and have they got that imagination to be able to, to yeah. you know, imagine that that's a stick. It's not just a stick, it's a cucumber, it's a wand, there's a car, it's there, anything else. But yeah, off track a little bit. Yeah, and it's always there. I'm always the one. I just take everyone on a tangent. Um, back to Ofsted, the big O. How do you feel that an Ofsted inspection has impacted 
your teams, regardless of what team that has been in? Like the leader during, after, how do you feel that that has their visit has impacted? It's a, like without a doubt, it's a stressful time. You, and the build up to it and everything, it almost trickles down from that, you know, that head teacher or that senior leader, trickles down all the way, you know, senior leadership team to the middle leaders, going down to your practitioners and everything else like that. And it's really hard not to. I feel like that's lessened over the time. Mm. Um, and I'm lucky enough that my head teacher is an office inspector as well. So we've got a little bit of intel there and, thing, and what they might be looking for um, and things like that as well. But I feel like it has lessened, but it's a really stressful time. And it's just that, again, building that team, being supportive of each other around that time of, you know, do you need to, if you're a senior leader or anything, pop to the shop, get some cakes or some biscuits or anything to throw in the side because, you know, people might have been up working late or anything that they can just, you know, they've forgotten their lunch or have something in the staff room and trying to treat everything that it's a normal day. Make sure that people are having their breaks and it's okay even if obviously in the room if somebody has a break. That's what normally happens. It's yeah. how it actually runs. Yeah, definitely. See, keep it that calm. Yeah. Trying to impact on that so that Austin have don't have as much of an impact on the day as maybe they could do if everyone was like up here and running around like headless chickens. But actually, like you said, that's not normal. That's not what actually happens on the day-to-day in the school. Do you think that the impact after offset can be quite a lot, depending on which way it goes? Yeah, definitely. Because you've either got that, you know, outstanding, good, you know, that... You know, you're a high everyone celebrates the reason. And it really does make a difference in early years because you have to have in a school, you, your early years provision is the highest grade that you can get. So if you're, the rest of the school is outstanding, but your um, early years is good, you will only get an overall grade as good. Wow. Yeah. So it, like, it's a lot of pressure, especially on that, you know, on your early years team and everything. Yeah. Um, but quite often you're seeing leadership team, dare I say it, Aren't early years sort of people usually, I have to say, um, where sometimes that focus isn't on early years throughout the time and everything else that has a massive impact then on Ofsted. Um, Or you have that other version where it's, you know, requires improvement or adequate or anything and then you're looking at, you know, this big impact of what can you do to turn it around, Ofsted's coming back again, so, you know, you need to then make that. And that, again, can be then really stressful. What are you going to do to make that impact and be able to put not to put your stresses then on your practitioners can be really hard as well. Yeah, I think trying to figure out not maybe what went wrong because sometimes it's the latest thing and you kick yourself afterwards maybe because it doesn't normally happen or whatever it might be. But actually that impact afterwards could really like demotivate a team or you might have people come out of the industry because of what's happened. I mean, sometimes rightfully so not the right place for them so that's fine we regroup so again but actually sometimes it I, I sometimes think that officer can feel quite negative when it's supposed to be advisory yeah. as well I think that's that's the point of Ofsted I think yeah, it lost its way along the years and everything that's been happening in the recent news and everything else like that it's become this massive thing this massive stress on practitioners and teachers head teachers senior leaderships and it's also been this massive thing on parents because they won't go to certain schools or certain nurseries if they don't have a good um, offset. Or if you've got simpler schools, one's got a good, one's got an outstanding, you're going to go to that outstanding one because that's what they assume. However, it doesn't always mean 
if you had an outstanding, um, I know they, I think they've currently um, just changed it, but you could have an outstanding school for 10 years and not get offsetted, which is craziness because there's a lot of challenging 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, there was only, we were true if you got a new head teacher, but all the rest of the staff could change in that time, which is just bonkers. Or you can have a new curriculum or you could have anything to come in. Legislation changes, everything. Yeah, and it can make such a difference to what that school is actually like. And that's then depending on where a parent is going to send their child because that's what they have this impression of is an outstanding setting. It's crazy that it's like 10 years is an awfully long time and it's something that I would probably, you'd like to think that parents would question. Like, I know you are outstanding with what you're doing to keep that because it's been so long. I mean, there was a recent one that I sort of knew about that was outstanding because of COVID, prolonged or prolonged, and then the offset inspector rang and said, it's really difficult to get an outstanding now. And they hang on a minute, like, you've not even been in yet. Like You've not even visited the setting. So how do you how do you really pre-make your judgment before you've... Like, I know the handbooks change and inspections change and it's different, but I don't know. I think that's, that's already additional pressure. But like, and let's not decide what we are before you've already... Before you were set through the door, just because that's what we were. How do you know we haven't continued down that route? But... I think, like you said, in recent news and things, it's a really negative light on offset, whereas it should be a celebration of what you do. Yeah, I think it should just be giving some advice. You know, it's it has this massive weight on it now, doesn't it? Yeah. That, like we say, parents, practitioners, everything else, then look at what you are graded as offset-wise rather than actually coming to visit the school, coming to visit the nursery and actually see it for yourself. What's the engagement like? What's the feeling? I just think it's that feeling when you walk into a place, you get know it's for you or it's not, definitely. What's that? How, how, how have you been greeted? Have you got a warm welcome, a smile? And what's the office stuff like even? Any of those things make such a difference than a piece a bit of paper that says you're outstanding or that you're good or anything. Yes. It, it's one of those that it's, like you said, it's I think you should visit regardless of what it says online, what you've read, because... And said that second you walk in, that first impression will tell you most of the things you need to know about the people that will be looking after and educating your yeah. your child. How do you feel about the gradings? How do you think they represent people? Because I'm in a boat of I'd rather they spend a week with a setting. I know they can't. I know that's a really unrealistic thing, but I think spending real quality time with the staff and the children and parents and and spending longer than a day and then saying, oh, they're not good enough. Yeah, I, no, I'm going to completely agree. It's, and it's almost whether or not it's a week, you know, over a whole week or whether or not I think that it should just be more than one visit. And yeah, because you might be really having that day where you haven't got any staff members and this has happened and they're sorted over there and there's parents that set the happens there. And it's just one of those times where actually that's not a snapshot. And Offset right now is such a snapshot of what your day looks like. And in reality... It could be completely different to that. If they just made, you know, even if it was like once a turn, so you could actually, they could see themselves, the progression of the children or something like that, or, you know, once a month over three months or sitting or something else like that. I think that would give them a better picture of what what's actually happening in the setting, talking to some different parents, like you say, talking to the children, the practitioners, and almost having similar focuses every time, but you've done all of that safeguarding, paperwork, you sort of side on a separate occasion. And then each time they come in to make sure that you can speak to some children, you can speak to some um, parents, speak to some practitioners, have a little 
play, get down and engage with them because in schools, they don't have to have any um, Aries experience to be an officer inspector. So you can be, again, graded by somebody who might be a secondary school teacher who's got no phrases, absolutely no knowledge of early years, what early years looks like, what our learning looks like or anything. And it's not, you know, all secondary school teachers, I'm not saying that, but may have some knowledge of early years. Yeah. But the more than likely they don't. And they're not what they specialise in, is it? Not, yeah. It's not their age group. So, yeah, they've just read the EYFS and the opposite boats and they're like, right, let's go. Yeah, they, they, they just make that snap judgment in that time. Yeah. But it can be a half an hour Hands up, they've come to see earlier, and that's it. That's their judgment straight away. And how that's going to make such a massive impact on then the rest of the school. So is that sort of the the time frame for early years in a school setting? Because obviously if it's a preschool or a nursery setting, it, they're there for the day. So in a, main, in a big school of a private school, your time slot can just be... Yeah, so it's usually um, a two-day um, visit. So um, day one, um, they'll do some deep dives. They'll do all the paperwork sort of side of things and things like that. And second day, they'll they'll do some more deep dives and looks around. Um, it will always be looking at phonics and read it, early reading. So you know you're going to be um, that early. Um, the phonics leader is going to be brought in. More than likely, the EOFS leader is going to be brought in and possibly spoke to and speak to a couple of other um, teachers around to see how they teach phonics, observe phonics, speak to some of the children as well about looking at their books and which um, what levels they're on and things like that. And then they're going to choose um, something maths-wise and then two other non-core subjects um, and then they look at that throughout from early years throughout then the whole school um, but it's based on two days and it can be something like a half an hour and a 15 minute chat with the earlier years leader or an hour in total that sort of timing is what we're looking at to make that judgment crazy isn't it so with the phonics of the reading and things would that be your nursery or would that be the reception it would be both so i would be going in um, with the phonics leader to explain what we do from nursery, how that then leads on to into foundation, how that then leads on to year one. And that's when I will start saying what happens in foundation and then they go to year one and then the phonics leader would then take over from year one into year two and then go down to then English usually. That's crazy, isn't it? Because in a nursery setting, we're always told don't teach phonics. Yeah. Don't even bother because they're going to split off into so many different schools. They're all going to learn it in a different way and the teachers have to undo it and start again. Whereas obviously because you're linked to the school, I guess it's the same program that follows. Yeah, so we'll do we'll do like pre-phonics. So it's even talking through what we do, why we do that. Yeah. And where the children, if the children aren't there, ready, there yet and ready for that, what then are they doing instead? So we talk through that, then how that leads on to then our actual phonics scheme, yeah. when they might start that. If the children are ready, we always have groupings that they are ready or they're not quite ready, and that's okay for them. The majority of our ones that uh, come to our nursery do then attend our school. So um, the surrounding schools within our trust as well um, all teach the same phonics scheme. So lucky enough that uh, feed is in. <laughs> yeah, feeds into all of them. It's, it's quite interesting, isn't it, again, because that's the why. That's why we do it and how we do it, and it works for us, and it works really well for us. And it's getting that across because it's... There might be an offset inspector who's read those guidance of, oh, they shouldn't do it and do a reception or whatever it is. And then you say, no, hang on a minute. This is why. This is what we do. And it's being confident enough to say, no, this works for us and our children develop and this is how we do it. If they're not quite at the level and having the confidence to stand up for ourselves and say, thank you. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's about knowing your why and having the confidence to explain it and to know that, no, I am doing the best for my children. Yeah. And that is 
this is why I'm doing it. This is what's best for them. And there you go. This is it. Like, I have, like, how else, like, yeah, great as outstanding. Now, really. Yeah, exactly. We are outstanding. Thank you very much. Have fun in your one. So, uh, go on, go on. No, sorry. It's just all about, like, just because you have, you have that limited time as well, making sure that you're using your time well with that. Yes. So you, you do need to explain your wine. You need to explain those key things. Um, what are you doing for those children that aren't meeting it? Why? You, what interventions you might have going on? Why you've got these interventions? What are you doing with parents' engagement? All of those things can be just all pushed into a 15-minute chat. Yeah. And that's from nursery foundation into year one, year two, and possibly then even going onwards. It's crazy, isn't it, how we're expected to say all these things and they give you 15, 20 minutes. But you're like, no, no, no. And also, during the day, look, we've got children to teach. Exactly. Point. Like, no, wait, these weekends after school or anything. No, I completely agree with that because sometimes it's... I mean, the first thing I was taught when I was an apprentice was doesn't matter if the inspector's there, the children come first. So even if you are mid-conversation and you have to leave them, you're not being rude, you're not, you, you can go back to them, but the children have to come first with what, regardless of what they are asking of you. Yeah. Do you think some people forget that? I do. I think it's just that pressure and I think it needs to be, again, made more often that people, different people, pop into the different rooms and you observe each other and it's peer assessment and it's peer observation, sorry, um, and and things like that. And that's a normal practice for you. Yeah. Because if it's not normal practice, somebody walks in the room and everyone goes, oh, yeah. And they don't say anything. So they, and it's okay that, oh, yeah, someone else is here. Yep, yeah, carry on with what I'm doing or being silly or yeah, and singing a soul. And it's, it's having that confidence again to, to just carry on with what you're doing because you know you're doing what's right for the children and what's best. 100%. I completely agree. Do you think that your preparation has been different in the different roles for an officer day? Massively different. Now, so as a teacher role in I've had loads more preparation than I've had for any other role. Right. Um, so we've had training already. And um, like I said, from my head from my head teacher, as well as um, separate training on um, phonics and early specific for Ofsted. Um, whereas my other roles, it's been very much um, just they were saying winging it kind of thing. Yeah. And then hasn't been any training. Um, Ofsted's going to come and you just carry on, but you're not really quite sure. And I don't really know what to do. And what do I do if they come? And should I answer a question? Or what happens? What should I say if I don't know that question? Or the answer to the question? Um, but I would again say that's probably because I was probably quite a person. I hadn't had as much confidence or anything. So it's looking out for those staff members and practitioners to say, like, it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. And let me find out for you. Yeah. Or I don't have that piece of information right now, but I've got it on my computer. I just got, obviously, yeah. I know where to find that information. Yeah. And it's those key phrases that that's absolutely fine to do. It's okay to say, do you know what I actually don't know? Let me, but I know where to find it or I know who to ask. Yes. And then get coming back to them with that information. Yeah. I think that's, like you say, those key phrases. So in your leadership role, do you make sure that you spend time with your team to make sure everybody feels confident and comfortable in the questions that might come at them? Yeah, definitely. And that's been through training, through our team meetings, through general just chats, through going down to see them and talking about the activities and, you know, building their confidence up. Letting them know when we've had um, SIT visits, which is School Improvement Partnership, and that person come in and, you know, I'm t- talking to them and t- come and showing them around the setting and things. 
Um, I'm very, you know, open twerdy. It's coming in this way, you know, showing the round or anything. And everyone's like, oh, Hayley, what are you doing? Here she is again. Yeah, but I'm saying like, this is why we're doing it, because this is going to help us, because this is another thing to make school improvements and everything ready for Ofsted or ready for what we should be doing anyway, because why would I want us to get as, be- as much as we can, as best as we can? Yeah. We're here to improve. We're here to, what else can you suggest for us? Come and have a look. This is what we're doing right now. What else are you suggesting then for us? Then yeah. because we just want the best ball, though. No, I totally agree. And sometimes it's, oh, we got the outstanding. That's it. No, like what? What else are we going to do? Like let's just keep, keep going. And I think it's right. It's, we have got outstanding. We are we are doing an amazing job for our children. But there's always more. There's always more to learn. There's always more to develop on. And you're always going to have new children. So what you're doing outstanding for this group of children. Might not be outstanding for the next group who need a completely different set, not setting because it's, but you know what I mean? The different center for what you're doing, the way you're teaching them, what you're doing could be completely different. So it's what are you going to keep going at and motivate your team, I guess, for the next offset. Yeah, because every cohort's different. They, or even throughout the year, they develop, they change, and you might need to, you know, rearrange your furniture. You might need to, you know, look at your actual environment. You might need to do some extra training if you've had a new member of staff. And consider the staff members that you've got in your team as well. How experienced are they? Have they seen Ofsted's? What's happened and everything throughout that time? I think that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Like how experienced are your team? Because I know so many um, like people in early year settings who are qualified in leadership roles and have never done an Ofsted inspection because they've just missed it at the time of their change. Like if changing career, move settings, whatever it is, they've missed that Ofsted. So actually, they're not experienced with Ofsted. They're very experienced in early years. They've got all the knowledge behind them. They're, they're fantastic. But it comes to an Ofsted day and they're probably one of the most nervous because they've never experienced it. Yeah. And that's so different for everybody, I guess. Yeah. And you just got to have that openness and within your team and everything that you can have those conversations and... And it's okay. And I know, you know, we're not, I'm not teaching circuits, but we're going to look at this again. And what can you tell me about it? And like, yeah, then a little bit of that training, a little bit of CPD. And then in which case, then have you got anything out of this? You know, what? Yeah. Tell me one key takeaway sort of thing as well. Um, or, oh, I just remembered this part of it at least. Or, oh, it was really good to recap because of this reason. Yeah. Do you think it's important to make sure your team are honest with the information they've digested? Definitely. Because, you could be thinking, you know, oh, I'm doing a great job. We've got these TV tins and they know this, they know that and everything. And actually, they're completely lost. No, there's no clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows what's going on. So it could well be, you know, the information you're giving them is far too advanced for what they need. Or actually, you're giving them far too basic information for what they need. And it's it's okay then within team meetings or within anything else like that. So then split off as well, we've done it before. So we've had some really experienced um, TAs that have gone to one meeting that we've set up and then we've had some TAs new to the team and new to early years, which we've had working on some of the basics of BYFS. And and that's okay because, again, like our children, practitioners need different things as well. Like They need a different CPD because, and it's okay that they need different things. It's okay that they're at different levels. It's it's just like the children that we work with. I guess that kind of leads into the next question of like the preparation. So as a lead, what would, and sort of the, the lead of you've got a big a big section to cover. What would your advice be to other early years leads for preparation? So it's just about knowing where what you might need. So looking at the handbook, what you might need and where you're going to be keeping it. 
So I'm, yeah, that's really key. Like, where are you finding that information? Know where that folder is when they're asking for it. Yeah, it depends if you're a paid person, if you're an online person, you'll enter Google Drive. So Google Drive, I've got things in there and it's just things like, does everyone know what's going to be going on that day sort of thing, what's going to be happening? I've got our um, curriculum overviews in there. We've talked about as teachers and TAs as well, where that information is kept because they might need to access it too or to know where it is. And um, we've got things like um, timetables in there as well. So if they say, what are you doing at this time? I can tell them which class is going to be where without even asking anybody um, that they might need to find. And um, it's just, you don't need loads of preparation. You don't need paperwork, more paperwork or anything else like that. It's just your basic things that you might need to remind yourself of or that how that might link into then year one or how that links into the nursery or how nursery, what they might come up with those skills. Or if they don't know those skills, then what comes before that? Have we got some sort of information there that might like jig my memory that I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I'm going to go on, yes. <laughs> to think that preparation with you, your like mindset and it has changed. Do you think you've, like you said, you, your knowledge of it has grown? Do you think now you're like, no, I don't need to do much prep because I know I've got it? Yeah, probably. So it comes with that confidence as well in knowing what you're doing is right for your children, knowing what you're doing is right for your school, your cohort, building up that confidence in talking to people about early years and having that also, that involvement and that empowerment from your senior leadership team as well to know that, right, hey, he's got this. You know, yeah, I don't need to, you know, worry about that or anything and they'll be there to support me. We work very much in in teams and everything, not one person, we don't have subject leaders. Um, in our school, we work as team leaders um, and subjects, so you'll have more subjects, but you'll work across early years, PSH1 and PSH2. So you'll never go into a meeting by yourself. So you've got other people to bounce off and pick you up and for questions and things like that, which is really useful. Um, but yeah, it comes with that confidence and knowing, believing in yourself that, you know, I am actually doing a good job and I am actually doing the right thing for my children. I do know what I'm doing and I'm amazing. Yeah, I think you're so right. It's that confidence of being able to say to someone, oh, I do, I'm doing a good job. Like, let me show you. Not you, do, you don't need to try and find why I'm doing a good job because I'm going to lay it all on the table for you and show you why I'm doing a fantastic job for these children. Yeah, definitely. And having that visitor or having that Ofsted inspector, inspection person coming in, a um, sick visitor or anything else, like anybody coming in, you know, work with them as they come in. Oh, this sort of thing, you know, can you come sort of thing? Oh, what, what, what do you want to see? Oh, do you want me to take you around and show you what's going on today? And just start talking out there, you know, oh, we've spent this because of this reason. Then, oh, you can see this is lead to here and... And everything, and they'll they'll ask questions if they want to know any questions. Yeah, they'll yeah. If you've not given them the answer already, though, I have to say the officers I've come across have been very good at guiding questions when they they know you've got the answer, but you've not quite said it. So they'll guide you in a way of getting you to that. So they don't. I don't think any officer inspector goes in. I hope they don't with the thought of I want this face to fail. Yeah. They don't want to trick you. They want I to have the right answer. Yeah, exactly. They are human beings as well doing their job, but it is a lot of pressure on everybody sometimes. I think when they walk through the door, it's like you said, welcoming them in. That makes such a difference. And it eases your nerves if you get the first word in. Yeah. And it's just knowing your team, what works well for your team and practitioners because is somebody going to be really nervous and actually you'd, they'd rather you not go up to them and talk to them on the, that morning or anything because they're, they're in their little zone. Yeah, just leave them be. They're, okay. they're prepping, they're, they're doing their thing. This person, you know, is being a busy body and that, that's good for them. This person's staying 
they they need that you know that calm down that it's okay you've got this you know what you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing and all of that and just knowing your team and what works well for them that's a really that's a really good like leadership tip I think because it's it's not just knowing the children it's not just knowing the routine of the day because everybody knows that that happens every day but it's like you said as the leadership right which member of our team needs a hug yeah who needs to go and have five minutes and have a cup of tea like who's who's on it and bubbly and ready is, is knowing who who you need to direct your time to as well, I guess. And what would you say for somebody not in a leadership role, how would you expect your team to prep for offset? Just be there. You know, turn up on time. You know, don't go and sit there, day. <laughs> Those simple things. They don't need to, you know, ask questions if they've got them. Yeah. No question is a silly question. I'd rather you ask the question to me than, you know, ask the question to Ofsted for you. you then. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no questions is a silly question. You know, ask those questions now. Ask those questions always throughout that time. Show them what you know as well. You know, you will have that confidence and I hope that I empower them as well to have that confidence to speak to the Austin um, inspectors and to, you know, oh, do you want to come and see this as well? So then I might be talking to them, but, you know, say hello too and give them that yeah. smile. Treat it like any other day. Just be themselves. Um, and if they've got any questions, you know, just just ask. Yeah. And what about in the leader? What do you expect? Do you expect your team to do extra research? Do you expect them to, or do you, do you want them to be able to come to you and say, oh, hey, I'm not 100% on this. Can we? Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's anything in particular that, like I said, we don't, we are not doing anything different just for Ofsted. No. And nor should we have to. It's going to be a normal running day. And throughout the, the weeks throughout the months throughout the half terms throughout the year I'll be trickling things in to team meetings that they won't know you know that might be full rusted so it'll be like those where's that Google um, document that I need so I think oh it's in the Google Drive it's, it's called EYFS everyone's got access to it in there's everything that you need and just that reminders yeah. it won't be you know this is full rusted and these are things you need to know building up their confidence for it and knowing when there's other visitors come in to be like oh do you want to, can you lead this one and sort of thing today? I've just got to see this child or anything. I've got to deal with this minute. Building up and empowering them to to have their conversations too and to know. I think that was a really good, another really good tip of having people know the knowledge about realising that they know the knowledge. Like when someone says, oh, if you've got a safeguard concern, who who do you go to? And they go, oh, that's not words to are for. But actually, I remember, hey, actually, we went for a staffing structure and I know exactly who I'm going to do. Oh, it's this person. And it's it's there in their brain because you've talked about it so casually and the norm rather than a pressure of it's got to remember all this information and or just the staff and being able to say, I know where the safeguarding board is and if I've ever got any concerns, I know exactly who's on there because the ladder's on there and I can go to that space and have a look at it. Yeah, definitely. And it's about knowing your team and what's best for them. Yeah. For, for me, it's, you know, that drip feeding throughout week on week on week and knowing what's going on and giving them the empowerment and the confidence to be able to do that rather than a sit down hour long course or hour long something that's going right all this down and remember it again yeah, this is what i'm saying right drilling it into them yeah. the feedback that they're going to need to know um that's not what my team need listening to sort of things so do you feel like you know your team quite well the current team that you've got in place yeah definitely um we, we are getting a new team in September, but again, it's been some of the team are just swapping around between nursery and foundation, so we've gone to year one. So I think that development onto year one is going to be really strong as well. Now for uh, next year, we've got a new teacher, but she's been teach trained with us um, for, she's been doing her degree three years, 
with our schools and she was a parent as well so really good you know relationship with her already we have got one new um ta coming to us um in nursery so it's just you know it'll be about focusing on right let's see where she's at what information does she need to know about the school about the running about Ofsted about you know any sort of early years about where's her CPD levels at and what can we do to help her out do you think do you take pride in how much you develop your staff not just ready for offset, but just in general, how much you help staff to develop in their roles? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's come from, um, like, my head teacher is so empowered of me and pretty much leads me to do what I want in the most time and just is, you know, has that belief in me that I, I'm going to do the best for what I do and looks for different opportunities for me as well. So I am an NPQ EYL facilitator. So I teach him the course. I wouldn't have even known about it no. if it would have been him sitting on the board and recommending me to do that. Yes. So him doing that to me makes me want to do it to my staff. Yeah. And it's been in those all of those other roles, having been in nursing nurse, being a TA, being a one-to-one, sometimes having those experiences where I've had not such a great experience and using them to be like, I don't want to treat other people like that. Definitely. I want to feel valued. I want to feel, you know, like... I'm unworthy or I'm doing a good job and all of those things and it's just a simple thank you it's just a simple something people again respond to praise in different ways is in different ways what what they like and what I like to give and things like that is could be uh, could be different and it's knowing knowing what your staff want do same thing as you it's, it's a hard job early years um yeah not everyone should do it so I think that's as well really important it's not for everyone and that's okay. Like we're not gonna find not every single person that walks through the door in an early years environment is gonna stick and gonna love it as much as the what we do. But the people that do love it, it's about empowering them to want to continue on their early years journey. Definitely. I think it's just having that passion as well. And then like let me and you, you know, you can't help but be passionate when without talking about it. And you just sometimes like, well, tell everyone that it's already it's out of you and they yeah. their passes on to everybody else. And they think, oh, God, I he's blabbing on again about early years. But yeah, I am. So, you know, and, and they pick up on them, those things. And it, yeah. It's even about CPD things. Like, people don't realise how much CPD is. CPD could be listening to this podcast right now. CPD yeah. could be looking on social media or reading an article. It doesn't have to be a, an actual day training or a clueless or anything else like that. And for a really experienced TA, I once had to be like, I've actually got this article and they came in they shared it with us all the way through she's like it's a bit of CPD isn't it and she got really proud of herself because she yeah. hadn't considered that before about that being a bit of CPD and I was like yes because you're you're reading something about early years or about schools or about education that you might then forward opinion of or you may then share that key piece of information on or anything else like that it's all CPD sir no I definitely agree and, I think, and it's logging all of that it's logging and and everybody knowing that that is CPD and that is going to improve your practice in some way because like you said you formed an opinion or you shared it with a colleague who's going to go and take it and do things with it and and it's moving forward of now like that's really good like you've done you've done something for yourself for the children and it's having a logo this is how we this how we improve ourselves so that we can do more for the children yeah and so about sharing isn't it I think that's really done well within early years is that sharing that, you know, those little key bits of information, little bits of CPD, tagging people in different things and things yeah. like that is, is done really well with early years. I don't know, I don't have any experience, so I don't know so much in the higher up in the um, year groups or anything, but that teamwork and everything is so important to get right in early years <laughs> and to make work because if it's wrong, 
that it can be quite critical to what's happening, what's the impact then on the children and their learning. I think it's like you said, that teamwork is really key because as I said, I don't have any experience higher up with older children. So I'm just like, what goes on over there? But for us, it's having that team bonding and sharing ideas is always a positive because not everyone's going to have the same opinion on things and that's absolutely fine. But if you've all read it and you can all take something different from it or you've all watched the same video or listened to the same podcast, everyone pulls something different from it and it will feed in. So it's like you said that community and teamwork in early years is so important because it always benefits the children one way or the other. Definitely. And and circling back round to, you know, your opinion might change over time as well. Yeah, that's okay. Because you can develop your own pedagogy, you can develop your own style and everything else like that. And what you thought was really important at one time or last year, actually, actually you're seeing why actually for this school, you might move schools or nurseries or actually for this cohort of children, it's actually really not important right now. And this is taking a step up now instead. Yeah, no, I, could, I completely agree. So to round off for Ofsted and getting ready and being a team, what would be your top three tips on getting ready for Ofsted? So definitely read the handbook for anybody and then share those just key bits of information, bite-sized little bits of information, drip feeding them to your team. Um, know where your information is kept, whether that's a folder, whether that's a Google Drive, whatever you're using, have a few bits just to jog your memory or anything. And just sharing that stuff with the team. Know your why. Why are you doing this for your children? Yeah. What impact does it have? Why are you doing it? That's the main thing. Yeah. Knowing those children and like you said, where everything is. And if you if you're confident what you're doing, then just gotta go and show them show them what you're doing. Show them what you're doing. Believe in yourself that you're doing the job. Yeah. Because you are, okay. Yeah, exactly. Emily and Haney Center. So that's what you can say. <laughs> they told me I'm doing a great job. So must be. Yeah, that's the one. Everyone. <laughs> And I have one last question that I ask all of my guests that have joined us over on the podcast. And because we talk all things early years, what is one of your favourite childhood memories? Okay, so I was thinking about this one and I think it's a bit weird. Okay, the cop. That's fine. There's no judgment. <laughs> I really, I'm not, I don't have a very good memory anyway, but my one of my first memories is it was snowing outside because I love the snow. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, and... I had trapped my finger in the do- I had trapped my hand in the door before and I remember all having um, purple prickles all over my fingers that little dots or anything and I really wanted to go and play in the snow and my teacher wouldn't let me go and play in the snow I think I was on foundation or anything and I was really sad about it or anything um, and then this TA came over and they put a um, a, um, a plastic bag over it and then I was allowed to put my glove on so it wouldn't I wouldn't feel the um the cold through my fingers or anything and I had such a great time going to play the snow and I really felt that you know just excitement and and just joy of and the snow being outside like before having that such sadness of let's not all my friends out there while we sit in the down so you think that's played a part on you being such a caring person towards children. Yeah, like it, I think all of those things, whether it's natural nature that or other going on. Um, but I always say then, rainbows, brownies, girl biting as a whole has had a massive impact on my life and where I've ended up going to, being part of that, being part of um, that sense of belonging and everything to, to groups, to then early years, to teaching children, to all of those different roles has had 
an impact on where I am now, really. Like, I grew, I was a rainbow brownie and a guy just now. Uh, so, it must be something we all did. <laughs> it does. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode, all about the big O, big offset. I really, really appreciate you coming across and seeing us. And hopefully, we can get Haley back for soon as two. If she'll join us and we can talk. Well, we've got so many things we could, we could we talk just well on that one. <laughs> Um, so I hope everyone's managed to take something from this episode. And um, if you you might be getting ready for an offstage, well, I've just had one. You're reflecting, but offstage inspections, I don't think they're ever going to stop. So one way or the other, we're going to have to keep repairing. And so I hope that you've been able to take some of Hayley's top tips and use them in a positive way for your settings. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all in the next one. Bye.